Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and light on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and really the wisest advisors in, from the whole business community all over our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And if you ever wondered how the sharpest edge, I, uh, those highest tech companies, manage to bounce all around the globe and keep up with the revolutionary technologies that are springing up all over the globe faster than smartphone apps, and we're not just talking about keeping up, but they've got to come in with the firstest, with the mostest, and plan a profitable footprint. Uh, you ever wonder how they do it uh, in this uh, climate that's frankly more volatile than a presidential temper tantrum? Well, <laughs> frankly, I, Scarlett, I have no idea how they do it. But by the good graces of the elephant god Ganesh and some clever planning on our part, we have an expert who does know, and that global tech vet is Mr. Paul Burlingame, who is growing his nano-level computer tech firm, Air Liquid Advanced Materials of Branchburg, New Jersey, cross-continentally. He's taking it leaps and bounds, planting his flag, and making all our computers run a lot faster and a little more reliably. So, whether you are a cybersecurity responsible for keeping America's stocks and trades all on hack like Al, or you are a software uh, uh, mark, buying the firm for new markets like Daryl, pull up your chair a little closer and join us at this feast of wisdom all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Oh, I want to really want to thank you for coming by uh, today and enlightening us on uh, global tech and what you do and how you get there. Great, Bart, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, good. Now, Paul, you and Air Liquide are, well, you're sort of deftly messing about in the molecular miasma of some of the most exotic technologies. Uh, and I've heard you say that your product is tangible, that it is that uh, Intel and a whole lot of chip makers can't do without it, and that it's about four atoms thick, which is about as deep as my understanding of the product. So could you tell us what you make and for whom? Great. So thanks, Bart. We make specialty chemicals that are used predominantly uh, by the semiconductor manufacturers, all the global leaders in semiconductor manufacturers that go in literally every electronic device that you may own, whether it's a smartphone, mm -hmm. a computer, a digital server, mm. um, flat panel displays, photovoltaic cells, oh, uh, basically any current ca carrying uh, electronic device. So we work with our customers who manufacture the components, whether it's a microprocessor like Intel or a memory chip for Micron or any a whole host of other companies that help enable the next generation iPhones or computers or any other digital device uh, that you may have. Well, while I got you here, basically you're talking about semiconductors, right? Okay. Now, semiconductor is like Congress. It's a term we all use, but we really don't know the inner workings of. So, what's it, what we got to here? What is a semiconductor? So, at the heart of a semiconductor, just think of it as a uh, it, it's a transistor, but even okay. more simply, it's a switch. It okay. goes on and off. And so, if you want to regulate current, uh, you want to send a signal. You know, think of digital as a one. That means on, zeros off. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very, very high speed. Now, the the semiconductors we're making today, think of that light switch alternating. Uh, about 80,000 times per second. So those are the, that's the type of technology that our customers are doing that we're helping enable in order to, you know, 
make allow you to look at a picture on Facebook or and, and if computer. one switch of the eighty thousand misses, I get really mad and say, "What's wrong with this darn computer?" Right? There's a little bit more redundancy built into that, but yeah, <laughs> okay. fail, fail switches aren't good. That's correct. Oh yeah. my God! Well, gosh. Uh, yours is is truly a, a magical technological realm, but. Uh, it's it's evolving rapidly. I mean, I know it all started out uh, originally in uh, the U.S., but now it's moving everywhere. Where are now currently the the prime semiconductor markets? So the end markets are, are ubiquitous and growing yeah. fast. So if you look at you know computing in the '80s, going to the mobile generation in the '90s, uh, then you know we use terms today like the cloud and big data. And we look to the future, we get into uh, autonomous cars and artificial intelligence. So certainly right. we're at the height of that. Geographically, certainly, yeah, to your point, uh, a lot of it started with innovation on the west coast of the U.S. and Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. uh, but it proliferated pretty quickly over into Asia. Japan mm -hmm. uh, had a very sharp rise in the electronics industry in the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, in the 90s, we saw the emergence of Korea and Taiwan. Today, yeah. China is a big player, Singapore. Uh, and Europe still has a, a finger hold in the business. But, but for the most part, it's, it's the U.S. and the eastern part of Europe. I'm sorry, eastern part of Asia. Well, all right. Now, and, that, and you strategically placed uh, where, where is uh, your, where's your footprint? Primarily? So we, we operate globally as well. We operate in close proximity to our customers. So we have five plants here in the U.S., mm -hmm. one in Japan, uh, two in Korea, and, and one in uh, Europe as well. So okay. we try to manufacture in, in relative close proximity to our customers. Because it's like, but probably not because the switches are so big and heavy. They are not no. big and heavy. <laughs> but uh, now, Ehrlich, uh, you've got yourself placed there, and uh, let's look at Japan for a moment. You have, uh, well, as part of your wholly owned subsidiary of Erlequid, which uh, has been, you have told me, dealing with Japan for a hundred years. Now I know they were not selling them uh, computer chips uh, or, or helping out computer chips right after the First World War. So, uh, nonetheless, this must have given you a great momentum when you went in. Uh, you had some wind at your back when you went into Japan and put your footprint down. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The core business of Air Liquide is, is uh, molecules like nitrogen, hydrogen, oxygen, helium, things like that. So you think of welding or freezing food or oil right. refineries or places like that, very business to business. So like you said, in Japan, we got in there early and we have a, a strong uh, cultural relationship uh, and footprint in Japan, uh, mostly composed of, of Japanese uh, people. But again, with the, with the rise of Japan in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in electronics, it gave us a really nice foothold in order to leverage when the emergence of the Japanese uh, technology sector came up. Uh, and today, like I said, we have one plant there, and, a, and one of our larger R&D facilities is in Japan, where they continue to uh, be part of our global network of, of innovation and, and excellence in operations. Okay, now, since um, when you were in Japan, let's look at this. It's a, it's the same culture. I'm mean, sorry, it's just it's many, you have many of the same goals, but the cultures are different. So what did you have to bring into Japan to make yourself accepted? So we have global standards no matter where we operate, but certainly we want to uh, have the face of those standards, the core of who the business are, about being safe, being customer-focused, having great quality, uh, bringing great technology, uh, good customer support. But then you look at, you know, how does that come across in terms of societal norms about 
communication styles, about your presence, where you sit at the table is very right. important, yeah. as uh, I've learned yeah. in Japan. Yeah. Uh -huh. You just don't oh, sit yeah. anywhere. Uh, and and you, you do that by, uh, you know, having great local teams. So right. we have people that think globally and act locally is the canned phrase for right. that. Right. And, and, you know, in our, uh, we've got over 550 people in our organization. We hire multiple nationalities that mm -hmm. are experts in what they do, but they're also cultural bridges for us. So, again, we, we keep that balance of one global standard, so we look and act the same, but with okay. maybe a different face or a different accent or a different place to sit at the table, right. <laughs> depending on the country you're in. Well, um, now, what uh, would you... Uh, there are many different ways to, to deal, uh, to do business, obviously. One of them is uh, you're dealing with, em they deal with employees totally different. Their idea of what an employee's value is uh, has different aspects to it than ours does. When you're closing a deal, what are some of the surprises that, when you, that you felt when you were dealing with Japan or, or differences that you had to accommodate? I think one of the things in, in Japan, it's a very, uh, very polite society. Uh, it's a society where yes doesn't mean necessarily I'll do it. Yes, <laughs> yes means I understand the words that are coming out of your mouth in Japan. So you, you want to be able to dial into some of those nuances where if you just come in as a, a typical American and you hear yes, you say, oh, great, we got an agreement. Let's go. Off we yeah. go. Americans want to move really fast where maybe in the Japanese culture, yes means I understand the words coming of your mouth. So you seek for those, specifically in Japan, those paths of further validation to make sure that there's good alignment and understanding and that it's beyond yes. It's yes and I will do the following, it, it's specifically uh, in Japan. But the beauty of Japan, uh, since we're talking about them, is uh, once they say yes with all of the caveats to it, uh -huh. awesome. Uh, complete dedication, very high quality, they're tireless workers. Uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the Japanese. There's something that's a little different. I, I, it, it goes in, uh, from culture to culture. When you're dealing with India, yes means I really, really want to please you. I just know this from my own experience, and I was talking to uh, she who was the head of McCormick Spices over there, and she was saying the big problem that she knows with India is that it's filled with bobbleheads. And by that she means they'll say, yes, yes. You, would you like this built on Tuesday? Yes. Would you, uh, can you add 10, to, 10 more changes to it? Oh, absolutely, yes. And it just goes on and on. So it is. it depends where you are. And I think that's a very good point that you bring up, that, that what yes means and what the level of dedication is. Uh, very much with it. It's different in every culture. It is different. And... If you have uh, just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. streams magically through the profoundly misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen to this and all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com. We are on several live stations and a whole host of Internet streams, but the easiest way to find this and all the episodes you want is through theartoftheceo.com. Now, uh, Paul, you said that there were, were uh, old, uh, those, you've given us some of the old standard places, but you also have mentioned that, that there's new um, innovation, new places cropping up with innovation and great use of, in the semiconductor market and, and in all the electronics market. Uh, what about Europe? Yeah, so one of the things, uh, Bart, we're looking at is uh, where do we take our core technology and actually apply it outside of the semiconductor industry? 
mm-hmm. where we can do uh, very fantastic things, but maybe outside of the transistor, outside of the semiconductor. And so we have a, a strong business initiative around that where we're looking at uh, other applications, say in industrial businesses, pharmaceuticals, aerospace, uh, a whole variety of other industries where we can bring our core technology. And that's brought us into places where, again, Ehrlich Keyed is, but my business isn't. So things like right. Finland. Right. Okay. Uh, we see a lot of uh, innovation going on in Finland. We see Finland. What? certainly a lot of innovation going on in Switzerland. It's another one. So yeah. Now, I, I would not have guessed, uh, unless it could... Unless they can sell it for a high price in Switzerland, I no. Seriously, I, I uh, am interested. What is Finland bringing to the table, uh, and why are they bringing it now? So Finland has a great university system, and if you go back about 25 or 30 years ago, a lot of work uh, in, in development in the universities and studies were done around a, a process called atomic layer deposition. So you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier about uh-huh. our ability to, to to make structures that were four or five uh, atoms. Uh, thick. That's atomic layer deposition. Very okay. technical. PH, guys twice as smart as you and me combined are working on atomic layer deposition. So Finland had that incubator of atomic layer deposition, ah, okay. which has morphed into what we would in the industry call nanoscale technology. So things, you know, we're making structures the size of a DNA helix. Right. And not just one at a time, that's, but that's six billion of them a minute. And they all have to be perfect. Let me get this right. You are making... The, the equivalent of something the size of DNA, and uh, you're making six billion of them a minute, and the difference is there can't be any junk DNA. Correct. Okay. And Correct. And so a lot of that technology, not just in Finland, but that was one of one of the incubators, as well as uh, Silicon Valley. And so right. as a global mm-hmm. business, yeah. we knit that together, and we look at what applications could use a high-performance film, think of a coating surface, right. okay. uh, that would maybe reduce the wear components on an engine or a turbine blade uh, mm-hmm. or uh, control the dose rate better of right. uh, a pharmaceutical. You think about a, a layer where you can control dose rate. So mm-hmm. many, and we're very excited, uh, endless, we believe there are endless types of applications that could use those things as we move forward. So oh it's another right. exciting growth factor for us in addition to electronics. And so you've got, what happens is, what you're saying is that technology springs up in places that you don't expect it. It comes through where, uh, who would have ever thought that some odd little valley in California had anything? An orange grove. Yes. That's what Silicon Valley was about 50 years ago. Right. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, back then they didn't even know that they made good wine. And they probably didn't back then, but nonetheless. uh, So here's my logical question to you is, what are you going to have to do to accommodate yourself in Finland? So I I think with Finland, uh, we, we just... We, we follow the technology. We follow the expertise. Uh, you know, one of the things is if we talk, it'd be analogous to Japan. We have mm-hmm. to look and act and, and, and feel Finnish. And mm-hmm. whether it's business trips there to be able to understand their cultural norms, their business norms, but again, also bring a global consistency. I think more and more we're seeing, you know, Thomas Friedman wrote the famous book, The World right. is Flat. Yeah, I'm yeah, a big proponent of that. The world is flattening mm-hmm. more and more. It's moving faster and faster. So you bring the global excellence and you just put a local face on it. And I think that with innovation, with quality, with value, uh, it's literally that simple. We, like Jack Welsh said, business is simple when you get down to it. And I'm, I'm, another, I'm a firm believer in that adage, that business is simple. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. It's, uh, as we think about that for a moment, uh, Paul has just given us a timeless truth. And so it's time for what I call a quill pen moment. I'd like ev- all of you to take out 
your pens, dip them in your inkwell, and jot down the truth that business is simple and it involves such things as value and concern and human care. And it just plain does work that way. So thank you for, for sharing that with us. And uh, at this dramatic juncture, after Paul has given us this rich and nourishing diet of wisdom and laid it before us so concisely, I believe it's time for us to truly take a brief survey and um, allow me to proffer you a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title of and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, Will this be the day that you discover one new arena of study, some intriguing subject you'd like to plunge into? Or will you continue to keep your nose deeply rutted in your own aged specialty? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can hear you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and take just a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. And... Uh, so here we are. We are going to thumb through it, and we are going to go around. Uh, okay, here we got one. Here we got one. Uh, a password is a safeguard which presents, prevents its originator from ever accessing our own information while presenting only a minor time delay to those who have no right to it at all. <laughs> what do you think, Paul? Is that pretty much uh, a good description of a password? I think it's Funny, I think it's uh, accurate in terms of its reality, and, you know, and, and how the practical application on an individual comes. But cer certainly in our business, uh, you know, uh, and I think in, in the global society as a whole, uh, cybersecurity is a huge deal, right? We see the effects of, of hacks uh, into business. Uh, you know, you look at the proliferation of uh, identity theft. Mm -hmm. A horrible, horrible crime oh, yeah. uh, where it just destroys people's lives and and, and what it creates. Uh, you look at uh, things going on in social media. You know, certainly I want to avoid politics at all mm -hmm. costs. But you look at interference you know, oh, yeah. in, in elections, uh, and so we take it seriously. And I can tell you, our, our industry takes it very seriously. We want to look at ways of, you know, not only where can we we work very hard in R and D to create innovation, to develop mm -hmm. intellectual property. Um, how can we also help consumers protect theirs as well? It is uh, a very, very difficult thing. I know our own quip about that is that teach a man to shoplift and you can feed him for a day, but teach him to steal your identity and he'll dine on steak far into the future. And uh, that's the joke. But the truth is that it is, it's, as you have implied and it's true, it's not if you get hacked, it's when. And um, I think that there have been some great strides by one of the fellows I mentioned earlier on the show, Al Berkeley, who has uh, come up, uh, helped decide that since 98% of data uh, chronologically is at rest, if you can encrypt that instantly, you can do a lot. So there are great strides being made in that field. Uh, and more to come. And more to come. But I just as an afterthought to the whole quip to begin with, you know, it is seductively easy to get cyber terrified. And I think it, it's a it's a trap for us. I mean, do you want to wrap your pet's play date uh, list in, in an excessive firewall? And the real danger here is not may not be so much what happens when you're hacked, but that how the mania of fearing hacking plays on your own precious and fertile mind. Just a thought. And 
if you smirked a bit over that clip, we have them literally by the books full. Just pick up uh, your uh, copy of 101 or 102 Best Business Quips book by visiting bartsbooks.com, and you you will find your quiver filled with zingers that will leaven the entire existence of your fellow chain gangers at work. And as a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon to you the answer to last week's business quotation, and uh, the na- that is, the name of the individual who said, money as it turned out was exactly like sex. You thought of nothing else if you didn't have it, and you thought of other things if you did. And I was like, <laughs> those words were spoken by none other than the renowned author and the verbal machetiest of all America's unjust foolishness, Mr. James Baldwin. And stick with us, because later on the show, coming blurting your way yet another uh, quotation, and if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and enter it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a freshly career-igniting gift taken this moment from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And before we turn back to our uh, tech-aggressive mentor for global outreach, Mr. Paul Burlingame, allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we're here today. That firm is Prometheus Publishing, who invites you to take scrutiny of their latest volume called CEO of Yourself. And it's a book that's really about getting down to the business of your more rewarding life. So let me ask you, my friend, who's making your life choices? Are you directing the enterprise of you, uh, or have you fallen into default mode? Or is that governance that you have of yourself, is it bringing you the fulfilling life that lies out there? CEO of yourself is going to help you discover your many marvelous assets and employ them toward the goals that are going to give you a little more sense of mastery and a heck of a lot more fun. A little caveat here, though, my friend, and that is, the uh, CEO of yourself is not for lazies and it's not for weaklings if uh, it talks about having you be the chief executing officer of all your action. It helps you forge uh, your own principles, sculpt your character into the effective person you want it to be. If you've got that kind of fire in your belly, go pick up a copy of CEO of Yourself. Carpe diem, my friend, you are indeed. And now, with utensils in hand, let's return to Mr. Paul Burlingame, CEO of Air Liquide Advanced Materials, as he teaches us the fine art of making the global footprint. And now, Paul, you you touched on it earlier, but let's get to the big white elephant in the international business partner, trade wars. And the, the changes on this front are just absolutely flowing faster than a river. It's, it's boggled even the, the 24-7 news cycle, which we, we thought was unstaunchable. But uh, even for your firm, uh, you sell direct, no filters, but this must be playing havoc with, uh, with your team. What is the tra- current trade war situation doing to you? Well, it's, a, it's very dynamic, and it seems to evolve you know, every uh, 24 minutes uh, yeah, or right. 24 seconds, uh, it seems yeah. to think. So, uh, certainly, uh, anybody, nobody can predict what will be next. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's a, certainly a dynamic situation. What we can do is we can be on the balls of our feet to use mm-hmm. an athletic uh, mm-hmm. and to be as agile as possible. So how do we do that? Uh, we're close to our suppliers and supply chain. 
to try to understand how it can play out. We're close with our customers and transparent with our customers. And lastly, you know, we try to advoc advocate through uh, industry groups. Uh, mm -hmm. In our industry, it's uh, SEMI or the Semiconductor uh, Industry Association yeah. who go to Washington, D.C. or go to Beijing and talk to the governments and try to uh, establish, you know, what's good for the industry for us. So we try to work through trade groups as well as our own advocacy uh, to, to ensure that, you know, we can continue to grow and serve our customers in a responsible way. Well, you, you talked about being agile. What about existing contracts and things like this? Uh, is uh, they, they could put you in a totally ruinous situation, quite frankly. You could have, you could have un, both sides could have unwittingly locked themselves into something that they can't handle. Yeah, I wouldn't call it ruinous. I would, I would, I would okay. say it could put us in challenging situations. And, you know, through, uh, uh, you know, we have good and fair contracts. Uh, we have good relationships with our customers. Right. And I think that's even though business is global and multicultural, it's still about human-to-human uh, -human relationships. And through transparency and honesty and hard work, we figure these things out. We, we, we're, uh, we're horrible guessers. Uh, yeah. We're world-class problem solvers. And I look at, you know, if an issue comes up with a, a tariff or something like that, we go solve that problem. What can we do yeah, to solve yeah. this problem? We don't fret about it. Certainly, we, we complain. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why <laughs> we got great advocacy, right? I mean, yeah. It's, it's, uh, we're CEOs of ourselves. CEOs of like ourselves, right. Yeah, Temporarily sure. a democracy. We have the right to complain without being put in a large jail yet. Correct. And, um, well, now, um, if you were advocating and you got your way, I'm just curious. Give us Give us your take for for not just your company, but for the the high tech world at large in which you well and and operate uh, so broadly. What would you like to see in terms of the, the the trade war and the tariff battle? How what sort of resolution would you like to see? Yeah, so I, I could speak as Paul Burlingame, the individual, maybe. Right. Yes. Yeah, right. For, yeah. for, for the end, I'm like today you're dictator. Today you're dictator of the world. Yeah. Go, Paul. Yeah. So. I think in Paul Burlingame's view, the, uh, you know, reducing barriers is better than building barriers. And okay. there's great technology, there's great talent, there's great innovation going around the world that we can, uh, quite frankly, advance all of society. Right. And when you build barriers, uh, when it's tit for tat, I've very rarely seen, uh, in my 28 years in business, I've very rarely seen tit for tat back and forth mm -hmm. work out constructively. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's destructive. Yeah. And so... I'm hoping, you know, in the context that, that things can revolve and we focus on value creation because uh, I think that, again, that's one of the prime keys in my mind of business is constantly create value. Create value for your business, create value for yourself, create value for your employees. If value is increasing, good things happen. I, and you I don't create value by putting barriers and taxes and tariffs on top of things. I would absolutely couldn't agree more. And I just did want to ask you one thing. You... Uh, because I've heard people talk about this, and uh, it, it always rankles me. They say, oh, well, we work with the Japanese, and we work with the Koreans, which I know you do. And they, uh, and so if you've got one, you've got the other. I have been to both countries. I have worked in both countries. And frankly, Scarlett, that just ain't necessarily so. What are some of the differences and adjustments you've had to make uh, between Korea and uh well, I think, you know, all countries and cultures, it's, it's even difficult to generalize just between two countries. I mean, individuals have their own personalities. Certainly businesses within a, a country will have their, their own personalities. Um, I think we, 
we just try to do what we do really well, which is focus on safety, focus on quality, focus on technology innovation, and value creation. And that, that will transcend, in my view, any of the cultural differences. I think you just do that. If you do that in a humble and respectable and fair way, good things happen. And again, maybe it's you know, who bows first and where you sit at the table and, you know, how you shake hands and how you hand a business card. Those are the subtleties that are very important, and it shows yeah. that's a sign of humility and respect. When you hand a Korean a business card in the way a Korean is used to being handed a business card, and, oh, by the way, you know, I've got about 15 different business cards. When you hand it to them in Korean language, and you know, my business card has Korean on one side and English on the other. It's just another sign of respect. Right. I, I think that's it, that if you... Uh, as the late Aretha always said, giving a little respect never hurt. And I think that there is, when you make the effort, when, if, if it's, I have found, even speaking in Tibetan, that when you make, uh, my Tibetan is absolutely atrocious, but I studied hard, I did my best, and I bumbled through a speech, and uh, it was very, very much appreciated by the ones I was talking about. It's true everywhere. Paul, if, if I was an investor or I am perhaps uh, someone who's a potential client or I'm just interested in what's going on in the latest realms of technology, how can I get a hold of you and how can I get a hold of Advanced Materials? So certainly uh, through www.airliquide.com, mm -hmm. uh, you can see the whole company drill down into uh, Airliquide Advanced Materials, which is part of our uh, electronics portfolio. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I'm, I'm available on, on LinkedIn, uh, <laughs> just like everybody else today. Yeah, right. So uh, I've got a LinkedIn profile. If people are out there and you know want to connect and learn more, certainly I think uh, using using digital means uh, drives business for me, and it's it's convenient for most people. So uh, you know, it's Paul Burlingame on LinkedIn, President and CEO of Airlinkeed Advanced Materials. All righty. Well, I thank you very much for coming down here, and you certainly uh, given us a lot of fun, and and you have enriched my my whole knowledge of what is a field that is so unknown, and like as so often happens, one of the major drivers of our society, uh, of which we, we maintain uh, an unfortunate ignorance. So thank you so much for coming and enlightening us, and uh, I really hope that uh, was, when new things happen and when you're coming up soon, we could, we could uh, bring you back on once more and you could tell us uh, where next. Chemicals are being sprayed into what odd places for, say, photovoltaic or whatever. Great. Thank you, Barb. I appreciate the invitation. I enjoyed this. This is fun. So as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. Who was it who said, first get your facts straight, then distort them as you please? And as a hint, this riverboat pilot authored the famous volume, uh, which you really should Innocence Abroad. Pick it up. And remember, if you know the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life and career igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune in next week to the Art of the CEO radio show as we come up with an uproarious topic. This is my favorite. It's called What's So Funny About Business? It's filled with a boatload of quips and from the original Quipsmeister. And isn't it about time for a little fun, huh? My goodness. So as a parting shot, uh, in the words of my wife's husband, uh, may I say, our romance with technology is most pleasing 
when it is treated lightly. Don't expect too much. Don't commit too much. Just smile and go along for the ride. And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as much as Paul and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you.